You're listening to the Better Together podcast, brought to you by the National Association of Free Will Baptists. Welcome to the Better Together podcast, where we look for ways we can work together to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today I have with us Dr. Vernon Whaley. So he's the uh, the dean of the School of Music at Trevecca University. He's served in that position at Liberty University and also at what is now Welch College, used to be Fruel Baptist Bible College back in his day. Uh, many of you may know he was the chair of the committee that put together the Rejoice Hymnal, so he's a long time um, history with Fruel Baptist. His parents were Fruel Baptist church planters in Alaska, and he and his brother Rodney were very influential in that. So he's here with us today to talk about worship. So Dr. Whaley, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. I'm thrilled to be with you, and thank you for inviting me to come and share. I still consider myself Free Will Baptist in many ways. Love the group and consider the contribution they've made to my life to be something that will go with me through eternity. Absolutely. Well, we thank you. We love you, and we thank you for taking the time to be with us. And I wanted to talk to you about these uh, two books, two, uh, book one, book two, Exalt His Name, Understanding Music and Worship. And you published this with the Evangelical Training Association, which many of our listeners will be well aware of the good work that they do, providing little studies for churches. So uh, tell us what brought you to write these two Well, volumes. the actual invitation to write the book um, came from Jonathan Thigpen. And Jonathan and I had traveled together as a two-man evangelistic team when we were college students and had just developed a really strong and deep and loving relationship with each other. And he was the president of uh, Evangelical Training. It was actually called Teacher Training Association back then and later changed the name to Evangelical Training Association. And... Um, they, they have specialized uh, for over 100 years uh, in training and teaching and equipping laymen for ministry vocational opportunities, mostly volunteer by vocational things. And so what they've done is they've developed a series of books, 100 books or more, I'm not sure exactly the number today, that would uh, deal with everything from theology to how to set up a vacation Bible school, how to run a, a Sunday school or whatever the case may be, uh, how to develop a men's ministry, uh, all kinds of things like that. And um, they're usually set up so that they would be in 13 chapters or 12 or 13 to coincide with the quarter. So you have the, the January through March quarter, and then you have the April through June and so forth. And they would take these books and use it either in their Sunday school classes or certainly coinciding with the church year. And so he asked if I would write one on worship, and I said, sure. So I sent him a, a book proposal and had, uh, outlined it and so forth, and they published that book uh, in 1994. Uh, as um, it was called Understanding Music and Worship in the Local Church. Mm. And it was uh, 12 chapters, and it dealt with everything from why we study worship to where to buy your materials. Mm -hmm. So the, the last three chapters dealt with uh, kind of real practical methodology stuff, but the last two chapters in particular, what companies to go to and buy your music and uh, how do you get things published and um, that kind of thing. Well... The first probably eight or ten chapters I contained, I used in my teaching at Free Will Baptist College, and then later on when I went to Liberty University, I pulled the stuff out and I started using it. The, the chapter that dealt with uh, why we worship, the chapter that dealt with um, God's recipe for worship, 
the Great Commission in worship, um, honest worship. Uh, some of the uh, there were several of them: worship and serving, mm-hmm. uh, worship and evangelism. Uh, just, uh, just probably the bar, the better because you know in 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 the academic community you'll be familiar with this. You usually have fourteen or sixteen weeks, depending on whether it's a that school in particular, right. but then you have either um, three lessons a week or you have two lessons a week, depending on whether it's a two or three hour course. So mm-hmm. I would use this usually as a two hour course, and I would teach that, and uh, it would just land because I could put my exams and stuff in there. So it worked great for me. Well, then she, uh, Jonathan, passed away in the year two thousand, and then um, actually he died in two thousand one, and then. Uh, Oh, I guess, goodness, back in 2015, mm-hmm. Yvonne said, well, it's been over 20 years since you wrote the book. Would you be interested in uh, going back and updating the book? I said, well, yeah. Well, by this time, I've got more than 12 well, lessons. And yeah. <laughs> so I said, okay, how do you want to do it? So what I did is that the first book deals with the uh, biblical principles and biblical evidences of worship. And I unpack a bunch of things that I didn't unpack in the first book. Um, and so what I did is I took, um, I expanded upon what it meant to be a creator, to be, to be a worshiper. I added to it in the first book biblical examples that are not done. For instance, there's a, a wonderful um, lesson in Acts 16 about Paul and Silas in the prison and how they worshiped. So I pulled those kind of kind of things out and started dropping in. I had another a lesson that I did. I called, uh, I think I called it Lessons from the Tent, mm-hmm. which actually was from uh, Exodus 33, and it deals with different aspects of how you, you, you can really develop this friendship with God. You have a, um, I think, claim the presence of God, claim the power of God, and there was it, 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 by that in those days everything was pretty much alliterated. So yeah. Yeah, it, had, it, had C, it had a C and a P. Yeah, that's yeah. my influence from Melvin Worthington. Yeah. I suppose. But anyway, that was the first book. Yeah, I, I had another chapter in you know, that dealt with uh, uh, biblical principles for worship to the millennial generation. Well, now we're past the millennial generation, mm-hmm. so it's it's just amazing. That's the first book. Well, I took in the the original book I had three chapters that dealt with history and that dealt with the biblical. Uh, examples and so we took that and put it in the second book so the second book is philosophy history and philosophy of worship so in the second book i start out with calling why is calling so important and what does it mean to be called what was never mentioned in this first book Mm -hmm. in the first book what i've done now is i've added to it a chapter on the names of jesus and really talk about the importance of praying the names of jesus i'd never even thought about that back in the early 90s Mm -hmm. so it was amazing how the lord has used my life experience and to to change this particular book and so forth the second book though was intriguing to me because it gave me opportunity to address some issues that are not usually addressed so First, we talk about calling. So the first chapter deals with calling, and I use a guy by the name of Bezalel, who is in the book of Exodus. That's not true. It's Exodus? It is. Early Exodus, yes. He's in there three times. Mm-hmm. But he is the one that did all the work for Moses. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says that he gifted him with skills to be able to work with metals and to, to do carpentry and to do clothing. And, to, and it's, it's an amazing story. But the Bible says he called him. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God was upon him. 
So I began kind of digging around into that, and I said, wait a minute, here's a real example for what it means to really be called, because it was his skill that brought him to the party. Now, his calling was important. The Spirit of God being upon him is what made it possible, but he had gifted him with the skill. Mm-hmm. Well, that's been one of the issues along the way, is how competent must musicians really be to be able to lead worship? Is that really important at all? In today's culture, we talk about that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So then I had a couple of chapters that dealt with uh, biblical Old New Testament principles for worship. I have a chapter that deals with the Great Awakenings. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, there are eight Great Awakenings. And um, there's there's similarities between the awakenings, so I articulate those way, awakenings. Most historians just limit it to, to, to four awakenings. Well, I include the Jesus movement as an awakening. I inju- include the, the most recent praise and worship movement as an awakening. Uh, I also include the um, great revivals of the l- late uh, 1890s all the way through the Billy Graham Crusades in the 1950s as an awakening because mm-hmm. it really is. Mm-hmm. America awoke to something, and it's been amazing to see how that's gonna, been, been developed. And then I unpack, the, unpack each one of those awakenings and why it's so, such an important, what the similarities between them are. And then I had a chapter that deals with the trends in worship that we have. I had two chapters on that. The two chapters I felt like they were really important is the role of the worship leader. Because what happens as I articulate how the role of the worship leader, the song leader, whatever you want to call him, has changed from the 1940s to the 2020s mm-hmm. because they're not anywhere close to what they used to be. Mm-hmm. So I articulate that there are 18 different tasks the worship leader has that, yeah, they include being a musician and an artist and so forth, but they also include being a, a theologian, a worshiper, a pastor, a staff member, a counselor, a producer, and a, several other things. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I deal with a, a chapter on serving, and the, the chapter that deals with serving uh, actually articulates Epaphroditus in Philippians chapter 2. And Paul talks about him being a, a, a co-laborer in ministry. So I talk about the, why he was such a servant, why the servant part was such an important part of what he did. And finally, I have a chapter that deals with being grateful. And then I finally come back to calling again. So how, mm-hmm. how now that we understand what God's plan for worship has been from Genesis to Revelation, how does that impact our calling? So then I, that chapter is, is called, Where Do We Go From Here? And I use First Peter chapter 5 as a basis for explaining it. Mm. So it started out uh, one book <laughs> all those years. And then as you're going along and as you're teaching more uh, at Free Baptist Bible College then at Liberty, it begins to expand. But really, listeners out there, they're perhaps in a rural church or wherever they may be, even leading worship as a volunteer, these are good resources for them, aren't they? Absolutely. And then uh, Evangelical Training Association has developed other resources to support this. Uh, There are two or three chapters in that first book. If I'm going to go, like if I was going to go to uh, a local church and do, let's say, a a weekend worship revival, which I've I've done some places, Mm -hmm. there are three chapters in this book I will always preach. Mm -hmm. One of them deals with uh, God's recipe for worship. You know, what it needs to be included in a, a worship program. Well, there's mm-hmm. five five things. It's it's sing a new song to the Lord, proclaim His wonders to the heathen, give to the Lord, pray to the Lord, and in His presence with thanksgiving, and feed on His word. Every time, yeah. All of our worship services should be c- circled around those five purposes. In the last one, in this second book, 
I articulated even more. I said that there are five outcomes. Well, you're an educator. You understand what it means to have program learning outcomes. When you mm-hmm. finish this course, you shall be able to do the following. Well, there are five program learning outcomes for worship. It's that worship is formational. It shapes us. Worship is transformational. It changes us. Worship is relational. It's vertical and horizontal. Worship is missional. We've been commanded to take worship to the nations. And finally, worship is reproducible or pedagogical. We've been given the responsibility of training other people, of course. Into Second Timothy two two, mm-hmm. so it's it's a it's a real powerful punch whenever you teach all those things kind kind of things together, and frankly they, these two books probably are a representation of forty years of mm-hmm. doing what God's called us to do in ministry, and that's why we started with one and now we've got two because it adds up. It's oh, a yeah. cumulative effect yeah, as we go is. through time. Yeah, and I'm a strong believer in the longer the line of preparation, the greater the opportunity that as you're going along in life, God gives you greater opportunities, but he's equipping you to do something mm-hmm. else. So I look at it in this season of my life, I say, ooh, I wonder what God's equipping me to do now. That's going to make a difference for eternity. Yeah. Well, I think this makes a big difference uh, wherever people are at as far as their education level or uh, the size of a church. There's great material in here that would be really helpful, and I appreciate you taking the time to put it together. Really, you mentioned a cumulative effect here. I uh, appreciate Miss Yvonne you know, having the vision over there at ETA to uh, get you to update it and put this in print. Yeah, she's been a wonderful encourager. Um, you know, Jonathan and I were so close. Uh, it's been amazing. In the first book, he edited it really, really well for me, mm-hmm. and took some stuff I had in the fourth chapter, moved it to the first chapter, and did some things like that that really strengthened the book, and I'm still using it that same way today. Her contribution, on the other hand, has been much broader, and it's been, hey, how can we get it out to the different churches, and which church group is going to really appreciate this the most? And We've been a little bit surprised that the African-American churches have kind of zeroed in and started using this quite a bit mm-hmm. in some of their training. So we're just saying, praise the Lord, let's, let's keep doing this. Absolutely. So keep it up. So thank you for taking the time to put this together, and thank you for ETA for their work on it as well. And thank you for taking the time, Dr. Whaley, to stop in and be with us and share with us today. My privilege. I'm just thrilled to see what the Lord's doing through you and through the ministry here and what he continues to do in the lives and the ministry and the churches of the Free Will Baptist. Thank you, sir. And we want to thank you all that are listening in today. Please take this podcast, share it with someone that you think might benefit. Remember, every little thing we do helps. We truly are better when we work together.